welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series. Hi, this is Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today we have a, a very special guest, longtime member of Burning Cold's acting company, a director in his own right, the, um, one of the drama uh, professors at St. Augustine's College here in Raleigh, and the uh, director of our upcoming Oakwood series of plays, which will take place this weekend, May 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Oakwood Cemetery. George Jack, welcome. Hello. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And good. yourself? I'm doing well. I'm very doing good. very well. Um, and I'm also doing a podcast. And uh, we're oh, gonna, and, and what is that? <laughs> it is a, it is a, you take a pod and then you cast it as ah. far as you can and uh, see if it breaks. Uh, George, uh, you uh, have been uh, with us for a long time. You've done a lot of uh, um, work with our company. I know you don't have this all committed to memory, but do you remember some of the things that you've done? Why, yes, I do. <laughs> I actually have a list here. Um, oh, no. Um, I started, the, so I remember, I guess my relationship with Burning Coal, I have to start with the first two shows that I saw, which would have been when I first moved to Raleigh in the fall of 2000. Um, and I think in sequence they were The Weir, the first production of The Weir yes. that y'all did, right. and um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And they were very different in terms of style and yet amazing in production. And I knew that I wanted to work with you all no, at some thank point. You. Thank you very much. Um, and the first show that I actually did was, uh, I was Cleant in Tartuffe That's right. um, in uh, February of 2003 mm -hmm. and got to watch David Henderson devour an entire chicken every night at the end of a table. Yeah, well, you can see that on any night. Uh, um, and that was directed by Emma Rice, uh, I believe was her name. Is that right? Emma, no, Emma Griffin. Sorry. Yes, Emma Griffin. Um, I don't know where I came up with Rice. Um, Emma... Um, Chicken and rice? Maybe that's it. Let's uh, <laughs> order uh, out. George, uh, you yes. have, your mind is as sharp as it ever was. I, I can see... Um, well, you know... Uh, uh, we um, we uh, were, took that show on the road, as I recall. Uh, we uh, that was one of our first touring productions. That uh, Tartuffe that Emma directed. It was, and in fact, um, I think the the maybe the last production or next to the last was at um, Saint Augustine's, um, then college, now university, mm -hmm. um, in my auditorium. Right, um, and that was that was pretty special. Um, and that was also so you know you never know what's going to happen or where you're going to find opportunities. I don't know if you remember this, but you and Simi and I were talking outside the back door of the theater uh -huh. um, after Tartuffe. Um, and I said, you know, what are y'all doing next? And you said, um, well, we're taking travesties to the Piccolo, Piccolo Spoleto, Spoleto Festival. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, I had played Lennon um, in grad school. So if you ever need a Lennon, let me know. And, uh -huh. and, and you got this look on your face and you said, well, actually. actually. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and, and yeah. that was that that spring, and that was that was wonderful. Yeah, and so you stepped in for uh, I think David David Dossie, Dossie, who, right. who was an equity actor and not able to go with us on that tour, but uh, but you filled in very ably, uh, as I recall. And uh, well, thank you. That was a that was a fun time. It was. Um, and our second touring. Uh, uh, out of state, we had gone up to New York in our second season, right. rather ill-advisedly taking a, a play that no one had ever heard of, 
by a company that no one had ever heard of with no marketing budget at all. And, Fun was had by uh, all. Yeah, right. uh, hilarity ensued. Uh, but uh, but the Piccolo Spletto uh, uh, performances were met with great uh, success. The press, as I remember, was very favorable. Yeah. And, um, and it was uh, a, a pretty big audiences. It was. I remember, yeah, yeah. It was great. So, um, so uh, around that time, you came here from uh, out of state. You came here to teach at St. Augustine's. Where were you from originally? Um, well, I, I have, I got a my my bachelor's degree from William and Mary in in theater <laughs> up in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, and Master of Fine Arts degree at University of Louisville, and then pursued a PhD in Indiana, uh, at Indiana University. I didn't finish my dissertation, but I started teaching. Um, have, you know, when you come out of grad school nowadays, usually, particularly when you're coming out of a doctoral program, you usually are a visiting professor um, for one or two year contracts. So, right. I, so I taught several places and I had been teaching um, on a three year contract uh, in West Virginia mm -hmm. um, at a school. And I had worked in North Carolina um, in the mid 80s for three summers at Lost Colony. And for one summer up in the mountains in at Highlands. As an actor, yes, that's a lost cause. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, at, well, I was in choir in in, in the choir, which mm -hmm. was I, oh god, I love it. You know, I, I love it still, um, and and really fell in love with this state. Um, and kept looking for teaching jobs, but but people don't let go of them very easily. I no. think because there's there's theater is so I think important in this state. Um, and the job opened up. They were actually starting a, they, they had, had done community theater performances um, at St. Augustine's and had a few classes along the way, but they were starting what was then a combined theater and film program. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied for the job and was hired um, 19 years ago. And um, somewhere along the line, we did divide up into, into separate programs. Um, so we're, we're still a, a separate theater degree at this mm -hmm. point. Good. Um, and you, you uh, had the understanding there that you would complete your PhD uh, while you were there, is that correct? Well, I, I, I so I had an MFA, which was uh, which was a terminal degree, and so that that would get me tenure, right. which is which is what I was certainly aiming for. Um, I will say this about Vernon Cole, and I think I've told you this before that. Um, you know, as a college professor, you have to to in order to get tenure and promotion, you have to. Um, do everybody can take a nap right now while we're talking <laughs> oh, about no, this? It's very fascinating, um, I think. Oh no, it's not. But anyway, thank you. Um, so uh, you have to teaching is very important, particularly at a school. St. Augustine's is a, is a small private um, school related to the Episcopal Church, a historically black college, right. um, and so our, our our largest commitment is to to teaching in the classroom. Um, but also you have to do a certain degree of, of research and community involvement. And mm -hmm. for those of us in the theater, it's not necessarily publication. It is, it is also production work and performance mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. um, and so with a theater like Burning Coal here, just, I mean, literally down the street, um, I was able with, with those shows that I, was, that I did, was able to build a pretty good record and, yeah. and, and get tenure. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty fun. Good. You know, there have been there have been years when when we've been very very busy on campus, and I haven't been able to get get away and do anything. Right. Um, and then there are other years when I um, have not. And you have a really nice uh, three hundred seat per senior yes. theater over there that 
uh, you work in, you're able to work in. Uh, I am. And um, what's, which is a little, you know, yeah. which is a little unusual because most of the time you start a theater program at a college with the anticipation several years down the line that you'll build a facility within which to do that. But um, this space uh, had been built to, to serve what, what was, what still is a very active music program mm -hmm. um, with, with uh, two different, uh, well, three different um, on band ensembles um, and, a, and a choir. Um, and so we had the space and, and we've, been very happy with that and made made use of it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a well-known space, I think, in the larger community. Uh, no, it's the and and it really, it's th there are a couple other usable locations on campus, mm -hmm. but th but this is our our prime uh, space, and 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 everybody on campus at some point. I think I I early on I made a list of all of the different kinds of events that happen in that space, and and. Uh, in my first couple of years, there were 80 different sorts of things, from lectures to to, to pageants to you know theatrical presentations. Um, all kinds of folks like to use it, so so we we try and try and carve out our time to do things, and yet allow other people to come in and do what they can. And and so, how does that uh, serve you? That idea of of working outside of the campus, working in professional productions uh, or in other community theater productions. How does that serve the work that you do with your students? Well, um, I, when I got out, for instance, when I got out of grad school, I had not done any work with viewpoints. Um, that, that really sort of came into being after I had left grad school. Um, I, by working with, with you and with, with other directors that, that you brought in, um, it allows me to, to be aware of what, what's current in terms of what's happening in the theater and, and uh, it would be difficult for me as a full-time teacher for you know, nine ten months out of the year mm -hmm. um, to to go as in the other locations where I taught before I came here um, for instance um, the theaters that even had any relationship to to equity or were bringing in directors from New York and from other places right. um, who, who had their own credentials. Um, those locations were 50, 60, 70 miles from where I was teaching and so it was just prohibitive to be able to rehearse and, yeah. and, and do those kinds of plays. Yeah. yeah, so we bring it to you in a sense, or bring the knowledge to, to you. And Absolutely. I think that probably applies to several other uh, teachers. Holden Hansen, yes. uh, UNC Pembroke uh, comes to mind, and, um, and, and certainly others as well. Uh, Stephen Roten over at Meredith, mm -hmm. and um, at Peace, uh, Kenny Gannon, and, and then Amy White uh, later. So, uh, so hopefully we've been able to provide some of that uh, for, the, for the community. You have. Um, tell me about the program at St. Augustine's. I'm very interested in what you're doing there. It's a degreed program. There's a it is. We, we offer a Bachelor of Arts in, in theater. Um, we're strong in terms of uh, performance um, and a little less so in terms of technology. Um, the, the, there are two of us there now, uh, myself and um, Kay Celeste Evans. Um, and, and we She's she's a she's a wonderful colleague and 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 she and I sort of after you've worked with somebody for about ten years we sort of know know we know what we're thinking without even saying anything yeah. you know so we so we've got sort of that that um, that uh, uh, I don't want to say shortcut that's not what I mean yeah. um, where where we sort of sort of uh, 
build the productions. I, um, at this point, tend to do... Um, so, so this is interesting. So, so Celeste has a PhD in theater history um, and, and, and in directing, um, and I have a Master of Fine Arts degree in acting um, and, and did have everything but a dissertation for theater history. But I tend to teach more of the history courses. She teaches the literature courses. She does more of the acting courses, which I had done for years before I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we sort of sort of split um, responsibilities with directing. Sometimes she will direct. Um, she's directed for a couple of years now, um, and I've done um, lighting and, and, and most of the technology behind it. At a historically black college, many of the students who are in attendance there are people from other uh, parts of the country. Is that correct, or, or are they? Where do they come from? Most of your students. Um, I think our our largest areas. We we get a lot of students from. Um, uh, the Charlotte area from Eastern North Carolina, but also um, Washington, a- Atlanta. Um, I, we have a, have a student in, uh, she's not a theater major, but she's done a lot of theater this year. She's from California. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I had somebody in classes from Rhode Island and Colorado. So we get sort of people along the way, but I think our, our, our greatest areas are New Jersey, Washington, Atlanta, along, mm-hmm. sort of along the and East how Coast. And how do you communicate with them to let them know about your program? Well, our, our admissions office um, is, is out most of the year mm-hmm. um, doing recruiting, and then we have open houses on campus. Yeah. Um, and in fact, at, at some point this week, I'm going to be making some phone calls um, to some of the folks who have, who have expressed interest. I don't know that they are necessarily coming next year, but that'll be part of my job to try and... How many majors do you have right now? Um, right now, I believe we have 14. 14, okay. And I presume that's grown over the... It, well, we started with two um, uh, way back when, and um, we, we, we fluctuate. Um, so we've got 14... Um, majors, we're in the midst of building a minor um, that I think is going to going to bring in a lot of students because not all parents, when you go to college and you say, "Mom, Dad, I want to be a theater major," yeah. I was very lucky that I had parents who were extremely supportive of what I want to do. A lot of parents, you know, maybe hesitant about that, but not necessarily so if you're minoring in it or if you're you know mm-hmm. enjoying the place that. Right. Um, so you can you pretend do. to be interested in something <laughs> yes, else. Yes, you can. This, is, this should be your marketing motto. <laughs> right, right. Pretend to be interested in Act that. like you're a criminal justice major yeah. and yet be a theater minor. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so that's, that's fascinating, George. Uh, what, what do you want for the program uh, that you don't have right now? What would you like to see if, if a fairy could... Uh, wave its wand and give, grant you, uh, what you what you would like for that program over there? What would you like? Well, I, I hope that we are able to continue to um, increase student involvement mm-hmm. um, as majors, but, but I think that um, St. Augustine's is still a, a liberal arts college, and we've got, I teach um, two sections of inter- introduction to theater, <coughs> excuse me, every semester, um, and a good portion of those those folks have never done a play. Many of them have never read or even seen a play. No. Um, and as I tell them, excuse me, as I as I tell them in class, um, my ultimate goal is to make them more informed and hopefully more interested audience members, both for theater productions and for you know when they go see movies and television by sort of by analogy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that's working because a lot of them come back and see our shows and a lot of them talk about, you know, they go and see shows and then off campus and then they come back and tell me about them um, and get involved in the, in the theater as well because we've got a, got a wide open casting policy. We um, usually advertise across campus, off campus sometimes, um, depending upon what, what roles we have available. Yeah. Um, and just, I like to think that we're a, a very important part of the cultural life of the campus and of and of this area of, yeah. of town. So, well, that's that's great. What what do you want though? What what's not happening that you'd like to see happening? Money. Is it technology? Oh, you know, if any investors are out there, um, yeah. yeah, I think so. We um, when I got there, we had just done a, a, a refit of the auditorium, new lighting equipment, um, but but. You know um, uh, that that technology is now passing a little bit now. Now that we're getting um, LED lighting and that sort of thing, um, some new curtains um, and and that sort of thing. We need to eventually get um, more storage space because yeah. we um, we often get donations. And of course, as, as you know, the more shows that you do, the more things you sort of amass. Um, but but if you don't have the space to do that, then you're then you're constantly sometimes having to go out and repurchase the same sorts of things again and mm -hmm. again. Sure. Um, we have uh, I, I hope to continue to expand outward um, with the kind of relationships that we have with with um, all all of the theaters in the community, and I think I think um, that that happens to a greater and lesser extent every year. I know that, that we've had several internships yeah. um, and, and we've, we've um, sort of built that into our curriculum that students have to have, to have that experience. But um, I, I know that when I'm doing um, internships, I try and be very uh, meticulous about who I, f who, who I send out and where I send them to so that, that both the company that they're working with and the student will get um, the, the best experience that they can get. Sure, sure. We have a little bit of an advantage in that we're more or less walking distance from the campus right. of, uh, of St. Augustine's, and we have had very uh, successful relationships with a number of your students over the years. Right. Um, is, the, uh, um, is the space... Uh, enough for you do you need a black box uh... i would love it so so you mentioned black box the the theater that we have is is a proscenium theater that was built in 1975 yeah. um and it's it's very useful for the kind of presentations that that often happen in school environments mm -hmm. um but it but it doesn't necessarily allow us to to teach I mean, in, in my classes, I talk about the different shapes of theater spaces, but the students, particularly in the directing class, well, we have a required directing class, and then students can opt for senior directorials after that. Um, but they don't really get that experience of working where, if you're in a black box theater, the, sh the shape of the stage space in relation to where the audience is, that's another design choice. Right. And, and they, they can't necessarily do that. So intellectually, um, you can understand it, but to, to feel it is is the way you really experience sure. what it's like to play in a theater in the round, for yeah. instance. Uh, so the students are not at this point quite getting the full experience of that. Is there is that a, a, something you've talked about with the higher ups at the college? Or is we have um, the and 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 if you have followed. Um, 
the news with um, with St. Augustine's and with other historically black colleges, the um, the economic and the, the political environment of the last few years has not been particularly friendly. No. Um, and so it, you know, c- colleges across the board are getting, getting more expensive and the opportunities for students to, to get grants and that sort of thing can, can, can be difficult, particularly when you're working with students who um, are, are often um, first gen- the, the first generation in their family to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't necessarily know if, if, if your family has not had that background, you don't necessarily know, well, what should I be doing in my sophomore year of high school as I look forward mm-hmm. you know, to, to going potentially to college and, and to, to grad school and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a battle that we're all fighting and, and it gets fought um, both in, in Washington and fortunately we've got um, um, some Congress people who are, are very much on our side um, and, and working to help keep historically black colleges in particular mm-hmm. um, uh, recognized as a, as, a, as a vital part and a vital need um, of, of the American in, uh, educational landscape. Are there people from the, from the African-American community itself uh, involved in that effort, do you think? Um, oh, I think so. I'm, um, uh, uh, G.K. Butterfield, for instance, mm-hmm. um, our congressman from North Carolina, spoke at, at commencement last week um, and, and spoke a little bit about you know, the, the efforts that he and others are trying to make. Um, but the, the, the problem so often comes down to money. It comes down to yeah. um, the kind of fundraising that a college is able to do, um, the kind of uh, federal funding that um, feeds into institutions. I know that, that we um, had had concerns about our accreditation, but, but last fall um, uh, passed with flying colors, and now we're... we're um, we, we were always um, accredited, yeah. um, but there were just some issues with finances that, um, right. that the accreditation agency was looking at. Um, other colleges in North Carolina, uh, Bennett College uh, was not quite so successful, mm-hmm. um, and so they're, they're, they're working to, to see how they can yeah. um, uh, rebuild that. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation, and it, and it really ultimately talks about how you know, you can't, you can't just snap your fingers and say, okay, civil rights era, done, right? Um, everything is now an equal playing field, right. done. That's, that's not the case right. because you've got so many generations of, um, you know, even with Murphy, you know, with Murphy School, we know the history is embodied in this particular building. Yeah. Um, that um, se- the separate but equal decades um, after the Civil War just... African-American institutions have to fight so much harder in order to, to try and catch up to where other institutions mm-hmm. have, have already been. So let me ask you this question, and I, I don't uh, throw it out there as a, uh, you know, a, a pointed remark, but I, just, I'm, I would love to hear your opinion on the value of historically black colleges. I don't mean in the past, but I mean going forward. What is the value for students? What is the... When you when you want to talk to a student about why to come there as opposed to go to NC State, for right. instance, what what's the value of it? Well, I, I so I've asked some of my colleagues that because um, uh, as a uh, being Caucasian myself, 
Um, I w was excited to, to teach at St. Augustine's because, well, ironically, one of the big reasons that I came here is because I wanted to, to uh, direct uh, every play that August Wilson has written, <laughs> and as it's turned out, I have not done none of them yet. I was say. Right? I haven't, I haven't, yeah, for, for one issue or another, but but just to work, because I taught at, at uh, a couple institutions where you get into this discussion with, or, and I, I did with, with some of my colleagues, where um, I wanted to, I brought up the possibility of, of doing an August Wilson play, and the response was, well, those students don't tend to try out for our shows. And I said, well, maybe those students don't try out for our shows because we're not doing shows that they necessarily want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get into that kind of circ vicious circle yeah, that you can't sure. break out of. Sure. Um, and so, so when I came here, I thought, well, you know, this, this is an opportunity to really kind of expand myself and to learn. Um, and I've learned an amazing amount, uh, um, you know, about the African-American community and... Um, Things I didn't expect, things that that I am joyful about. Um, I've told you know you you know my history. Having we've worked together for sixteen years, and so I mean you know, you know that that part of my my personal history was taking care of my mother and father. Right. Um, and I found when I came to St. Augustine's that it there, there's such a strong family bond that exists with the students and their family and among students and among faculty that that there was an immediate understanding about why you know I, I wanted my parents to live with me and why I wanted to take care of them and I have to say that I did not experience that at other schools I mean I was I was told very directly um, at, at a former institution um, it was just just sort of a it's sort of a offhand question about, you know, do you, you have family or anything like that? And I said, well, you know, my parents um, had had me later in their marriage and I was going to be taking care of them. Mm -hmm. um, and this, a, a fellow junior colleague, it was one of those you know, sort of things where you go out and, and you have a conversation with, with um, people who are coming in in your cohort, you know, people that are sure. starting at a college at the same time that you are. Um, and and uh, he got this look on his face and he said, well, that's unfortunate. That's going to really interfere with your research. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I would quit jobs, you know, before I would, before I would ever, ever put my family above anything that I was doing. Yeah. Um, and and Saint Augustine. Before you put your job above your family. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and Saint Augustine's is, I, I feel at home. I feel I feel closer to the folks there, and and happier than I have at, at any of the other places that I've taught. Yeah. Get, even though I'm I'm not African American, but that that after a while doesn't necessarily play a part of it. Um, I've asked my colleagues, you know, what what is it about about historically black colleges? And the response that I continue to get is that same sense that it feels familiar, it feels like home, yeah. um, because at at at, at uh, PWIs, at predominantly white institutions. Even sometimes when when the best effort is being made, it can mm -hmm. still sometimes alienate um, uh, uh, minority students. One of my colleagues talked about when when uh, when she went to grad school, 
um, she and her mom pulled up on campus and it was a predominantly white institution and, and they pulled up and there was a sign that said, welcome minority students, which is, <laughs> it's, it, okay, I understand the Look attempt, at those folks. right? But it's still like, hey, yeah. we're glad that you're here recognizing your difference. Yeah. And, and I think that was an attempt to be welcoming, but it's, but yeah. you're not seeing, you know, you, you don't know the other, the other viewpoint and, right. until you just talk to folks, right? That's the big, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the huge problem going on in the world today, right? You know, we've got so much. I, I think that the, that people who are seeing—am I allowed to get political on this yeah, podcast? Of course. Um, I think that um, so much of what's happening in terms of of the isolationism, the, the isolationist view that's kind of happening in America, yeah. you know, where we're, we're not the them. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Is, is growing out of the fact that, that people are in environments where it's just, just other people just like them. And sometimes that can be security and sometimes that can be dangerous because you're then just still just recycling the same kind of points of view and everything. But when you meet people who are not like you, when you meet people who are different, and, and, and so when I, I went to grade school, um, in, in West Virginia, where my parents were from. Um, and there were, uh, there were only, there was only one African-American family and one Jewish family um, of the kids that were in, in my grade school. And everybody else was just, was like me, you know, white, middle-class, Protestant. Um, and then when I went to high school, we moved to, to New Jersey and that, I went to a Quaker high school for five years. And that was, it, it was amazing. Um, because there were African Americans and there were first generation uh, kids who were Greek, Italian, you know, different languages that you would hear spoken. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was a small school, but but the thing about it is when you meet people and, and you and you learn different points of view, it's really difficult to hate somebody yeah. when that person, you know, it's it's like if I don't know anybody of an of an ethnic group, then it's easier if I want to isolate them, then sure. suddenly when I talk about that group, there are very specific people yeah. that, that whose faces I see and whose experiences I remember yeah. being with. You can hear you can hear the, the the quality in their voice when they're talking about something as opposed to reading it online, uh, where you uh, can sort of attribute your own um, tone. Uh, right. uh, and if you are a person who in, inclines toward the uh, paranoid then then uh, you will move in that direction right. in, in your mind so yeah i agree with that i would add one thing and that is that i think we also live in a society in which a lot of people don't feel like they're being represented at all right uh, by their government and so that opens a, a big wide corridor uh like a running back with a couple of good pulling guards, uh, this big wide corridor down the field for, um, you know, for people to step in who would take advantage of that situation and, and enrich themselves uh, by um, suggesting that the differences are the things that matter as opposed to the commonalities. Right. Yeah, yeah. George, there's one uh, thing I wanted to ask you before we sign off today, and that has to do with the Oakwood Cemetery plays. This is your third year directing the plays uh, for us, but you acted in the uh, Oakwood Cemetery shows for years prior to that. What attracts you to this particular uh, material, and, and uh, why, uh, why do you keep coming back? 
well, if it's May, I feel like I should be in a cemetery. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just 14 years is a very long time um, to be, be involved in the same project. And, and I don't have North Carolina roots, um, though I've lived here for a while. I, I, I've always been interested in historical drama. Um, from the very, the very first play that I acted in when I was in high school was Our Town, which is not strictly a historical drama, but still it, it, it looks at life over a time period. Fictional history of a town. Right, right. An American town. Um, and I've done, um, I've done other outdoor dramas. I did Lost Colony for three summers. Um, we used to have a little outdoor drama in Raleigh um, at the African American Cultural Complex. Right, that's right. Um, Amistad. Amistad Saga. And I um, uh, did that for three summers. Um, and went to college at William and Mary where history, I mean, you're, you, you're walking on and through history every day. Um, and so I've always had an interest in, in the past and how the past continues to, to live and influence the present. Um, and, I, and so we started doing this as a, um, I believe, a, just a, a one-off kind of production, just Correct. as a celebration um, with, as I remember, fully elaborate costumes. We had um, uh, barred some costumes from the Sons of Confederate Veterans, I and, believe. And we catered it, too, as I remember that. And ladies in hoop skirts, and um, and and we continued to do that um, and scaled it, scaled the production values back a little bit. Um, and Ian Finley uh, was the person who wrote the scripts and directed it for about the first seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, more recently, we've had um, uh, different playwrights write separate um, short one-act, ten-minute or so uh, local long local plays. Playwrights, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 then, of course, we can't forget that that um, uh, Robin Simonton, who is the the director of Oakwood Cemetery, um, is actively involved in this. And Bruce Miller um, is sort of the heart of this entire process. Bruce is the um, the person who researches and comes up with themes and that sort of he thing. He literally knows where the bodies are. I buried. know he does. You know, as I as I said yesterday, when he came by and watched a rehearsal, and I said, "This is the man who knows, you know, where everybody's buried and, and all the all of their stories, all the skeletons in there." Right. You could go on and on with his. Uh, um, and sure. so I, I just. It, it, I'm learning about Raleigh every year. Yeah. Um, I'm learning ab about different stories and a bit about different, um, e even sometimes. So, so the 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 I won't put any spoilers in here, but the story of actually how the cemetery came into being um, is it encapsulates the the rancor and and sort of the anger of both sides at the end of the Civil War once the, once the war was over with and yeah. the fact that, that the, um, the cemetery where both Union and Confederate and, and civilians from the Raleigh area had been buried um, after the war was over was, was named as a federal cemetery mm -hmm. and therefore all of the Confederate soldiers had to be removed and the, the Federals who came down um, said, you know, you, get these bodies out of here in three days or we will dig them up and throw them in the road. Yeah. Um, and so, and that, that's not the sort of thing that you do to, to, to rebuild um, right. a, a positive relationship. Right. Um, and so... That was a head scratcher. It was sort of a, an early day equivalent of certain uh, 
presidential tweets we might point to. Right, right. Executive order number whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, the the citizens that who, who were mostly you know old, old men and boys and and um, women and young girls yeah. um, uh, managed to over a three day period managed to um, disinter. Um, the bodies and moved them to the land which was donated by um, the Mordecai family. Who were Jewish. Yes. Were, were Jewish and, convert, and converted to Episcop, Episcopalian. Later. Yes. Uh, several generations later, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think Henry, Henry was, I think, of the first generation. He was the one that donated the land. I think he was, his, his wife was Episcopal. I and I think he, I should know this because it's in a play. Um, uh, he, he was in the process of, 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 of leaving his Jewish roots, or it may, it may have been mm-hmm. earlier than that. Um, but, but they had, most of what we think of as downtown Raleigh was Mordecai property. Yeah. Um, and uh, Oakwood Cemetery, as it is now, was, was an orchard, I believe. Um, and so he donated part of that land, and they, 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 um, which became the, um, the Confederate Cemetery, and then, and then has expanded since then to include citizens from all walks of life right, uh, right. and they still have space there um, they do i think robin said uh, a couple of years ago that they that they if they continue to bury people at the rate that they have or, the, or that they are now they've still got about 100 years right um before the, well, they'll have to put a uh, no more, no vacancy sign. Right, the, a moratorium cemetery. Yeah, and the actors are doing an amazing job. Um, the scripts are, are are wonderful this year, and each one of them has a certain amount of depth. I really love this location. Yeah, where where we're performing this year. There are just so many things about it that's wonderful. George, uh, it's fabulous talking to you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the work you're doing this year. The Oakwood Cemetery plays run. Um, Friday and Saturday, May 18th. 17th and 18th at uh, 6.30 p.m. Tickets are $20 or $10 for any student. They may be purchased at the door, meaning uh, go inside the cemetery and you'll find us a few uh, hundred feet down the road right. there. And uh, then also on Sunday, which would be May 19th at 2 p.m., we'll have a performance as well. There are chairs in the cemetery. It's a fairly short walk right. uh, up the hill to the uh, to the. Per-